This episode of The Sleeper and the Bus is brought to you by Out of the Park Baseball 18, the best baseball strategy game ever made. Available now on PC, Mac, and Linux platforms. It's officially licensed by MLB and MLBPA, allowing you to take any team from any era, from any level, and run it the way you want with unprecedented depth, control, and authenticity. New for this year, 2017 opening day rosters, historic Negro League integration, run the ultimate what-if scenarios, tournaments, fall leagues, a redesigned injury system, an improved 3D game, real-time presentation, and game highlights, improved player morale, and team chemistry, and so much more. Out of the Park Baseball 18 has the full sleeper in the bust stamp of approval. We all play it and have for years. Even better, if you buy now through the Sleeper in the Bust podcast, you'll receive a special 10% discount off the retail price of $39.99 by going to ootpdevelopments.com, click on the order banner, and just enter the code SLEEPER18 at checkout to not only get a discount, but also help support the Sleeper in the Bust, indie sports video game development, and all the people who work to bring you the great game of Out of the Park Baseball 18. Once again, just go to ootpdevelopments.com, click on the order banner, then enter the code SLEEPER18 at checkout for a special discount and to support our show. Guys, I, I'm obsessed with this game. It is so much fun. Um, I played a lot of OOTP17. You guys have heard me talk about my Twitch streams, twitch.tv slash pspore24. I was streaming my 17 franchise over there. I, I, I did a fantasy draft in 1995. I was able to get Ken Griffey Jr., and Pedro Martinez. I don't know what the computer was thinking there, uh, letting letting both of those guys get there. I took Pedro with my first pick, and then and then got Ken Griffey Jr. I haven't started my new eighteen one for um, for streams yet, but I'm going to. And I'm actually just gonna gonna start over. I, I I won the World Series that first year with the with the seventeen team, but I'm gonna start a new one. We'll do the draft at some point soon, so stay tuned for that. But out of the park is is just so much fun. You've heard me talk about. Uh, other baseball video games I like, they're, they're two different experiences. This is the sim, in-depth, management sort of deal, and then the other game is, is playing. So um, I absolutely love this game. One last time, ootpdevelopments.com, sleeper18 is, is your discount code. Uh, that lets them know that we, that we sent you there, and they give you a little bit of uh, a little bit off the top as well. If you do play the game, let me know. Let me know what you're doing with it. Let me know what, uh, what team you're going with, whether you're starting historically or going from now. Uh, if you do the fantasy draft, hit me up on Twitter at Spora. I love kind of seeing how people go because it, it doesn't just play out 100% to, to history. Things can change and you can have guys, you know, you can have a failed prospect that actually pans out for you. So I, I love seeing that stuff. Definitely hit me up there. Um, and, and, and thanks for supporting the show by, by going to ootpdevelopments.com. Welcome to episode 459 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It's Thursday, May 18th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined by Eno Saris. Eno, how's it going? It is going well. Not if you're a Braves fan. Well, no, and, you know, actually, as a baseball fan, that was a pretty terrible game. I agree. I mean, from, uh, in terms of execution and score and, you know what the game looked like. Yeah, our sport looking good in in the public eye. You know, Pilar. stupid fights and uh, you know just and then people saying afterwards there's going to be a fight tomorrow and setting it up for more stupidity today. I mean, it's just 
It's it, it, not great. Not great all around. I completely agree with you there. We are going to talk about Freddie Freeman and his injury. It's just another devastating injury, uh, to the, you know, to, to the team. Obviously that matters more, but, but also the fantasy ranks. You know, of course we, we, we do talk fantasy and, uh, those injuries do impact what we're doing over here. So we will have to talk about it on that. You know, I, I'm, generally pro jose batista with what he does in terms of emotion but like dude come on you read the room on that one like uh, that one was a stupid bat flip and i like bat flips but you're getting your butt kicked they just lost their best player like you know that's going to start some stuff although he did seem to acknowledge to kurt suzuki when he got back to home plate and suzuki had said something to him like hey man like what what are you doing i hope it was just what are you doing dude you were down five, but uh, Bautista seemed to kind of acquiesce that, uh, yeah, he was a bit douchey there. So um, we will we will talk about Freeman here in just a moment, but we're going to talk some prospects today. Uh, focus on some guys who are here right now, kind of get your outlook there, you know, as well as kind of the next wave of hitters that are coming up. Um, there's been there's been some you know rumblings about different guys that are performing well. A lot of the guys. Who are, who are the top prospects coming into the season aren't performing well. So that's opening the door for some other kind of the, the mid prospects in the top 100 or, e- or even kind of in that 25 to 60 range. Uh, we're starting to see some guys emerge from there. So we'll talk about them, but I want a general question on prospects. Our, our, our leading off question of the day is which prospect, hitter or pitcher are you most eager to see come up this year? You know, we're, we're kind of running out of them. Exactly. That's why I'm kind of curious what your answer is going to be. You know, I think from the hitting side, I don't actually think Lewis Brinson will be up before the end of the year. Okay, you think he's a September call-up? Yeah, him and Franklin Barreto, I think, are are... They're just on teams that I feel are on a place in the wind curve and their development cycle where they'd rather not use up a lot of, you know, uh, uh, player control time. Sure. And that we might see in September or something, but I doubt that they're calling them up to make a run, you know? Well, even though things are a little bit tight. I was going to say, you know, you got Brewers fans shouting at their at their phones and computers right now that they're leading the division at 23 and 18. Um, I think it would be fair to push back and say, okay, you know, but are 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 you guys really division contenders here, or or you know, kind of playing some of the, some of the best ball that they're going to play all year with some of the starting pitching really standing out right now with Chase Anderson, Jimmy Nelson, and Matt Garza getting it done. Uh, some decent bullpen pieces, even in the midst of the, the Feliz blow up. But the hitting is really kind of what's, what's carrying the team. And that's with Jonathan VR and Orlando Arcia doing nothing. Literally, like, they've been yeah. horrific. And it, it's not that the outfield is doing so terribly. In fact, it's probably that the pitching is overachieving right and now. Absolutely. And so if you're gonna push it on any level, then you pull, pull, pull up, uh, Brandon Woodruff and or Javier. I like Jorge Lopez too. Jorge Lopez, that's not Javier Lopez. Yeah, Jorge Lopez got kind of wrecked going to Colorado Springs last year and just kind of lost his way entirely as Colorado can do to a pitcher. And so I think they've got him in double A this year saying, hey man, don't mess, don't mess with all that, uh, you know, that Colorado nonsense. We need you to pitch like they saw him pitch, uh, back in, in, in 15. <clears throat> and, and, he's and, he's, and he's kind of gone towards more towards strikeouts. He went for the ground yes. ball for a long time. And I think that might have been partially because of the run environments he was in. 
And I think that they might have been like, hey, you know what? Don't just go for ground balls because everything that gets hit in the air goes out. Let's let's uh, let's try to get those strikeouts. And he's he's doing that right now. So I think Lopez has recovered some of that. Woodruff is, I think, more of a, a sinker baller. But Brandon Woodruff is another guy. Those two guys might get pulled up, but I I think the outfield. I guess barring injury. Yeah. Uh, but even, even with an injury that, you know, Braun's hurt right now and, uh, and he's not necessarily being replaced by Lewis Brinson. So anyway, they would go, maybe they would go Brett Phillips first or something. Uh, um, more of a stopgap, maybe a guy who doesn't have the same sort of ceiling. And, And I think you also, Brinson's a guy you, you're very careful with because, well, you'd Lewis like to Brinson, bring him up once. You'd like to do it one time, right? And, and I think so, and with like a job, yes. because he's a guy who early on in his career struck out all the time, and in the last little bit with the Brewers, uh, in particular, and then the Rangers at Double A, he's cut it down to about twenty percent. If he can strike out even twenty three, twenty four, twenty five percent in the major leagues. I thought it would be thirty, thirty five percent at one That's point. That's what it was looking like for sure. And if he can if he can be like a twenty three percent strikeout guy with the sort of two hundred ISO and the legs and the defense, I mean he he might be their best option for center field. But you know, I think that that's asking a lot even now he's just 23, I guess 24. I mean it's it's getting it's getting to be about time, but I don't know if it's necessarily the time right now. What? And I think the point that you bring up, the fact that there's just not an opening, like the, and, and the offense, offense, the outfield offense in particular is just not in need of a big boost. So while Brinson is the flashiest one that you would think could make a big impact on the fantasy landscape this year, I really do think you have to look at Woodruff, Jorge Lopez, and Josh Hader on the pitching side to come up and potentially make the, uh, make the impact for that ball club. So. Oh yeah, I forgot about Hater. I'm not a hater. Yeah, don't, don't be a, so. don't be a hater on Hater. He's got, uh, he's got the flowing main lefty. Uh, isn't he a sinker baller type as well or no? Am I having, am I mixing him with somebody else? Oh, he's a lefty. Wild lefty. And he's got, he got a little bit of, uh, got a little bit of velocity from the left side. So, um, yeah, it, they need, honestly, to kind of keep this going, they would need to pull up somebody to, Give them a jolt while also getting, uh, Zach Davies back on track. I think, I think the two things would have to happen. I don't think there's one arm who comes up and, and establishes them and says, okay, now they're full on contenders, but they're playing well a year early. Milwaukee is. So, uh, hats off. All right. So that, uh, that's, that's the prospect news there, uh, in terms of who you're looking forward to coming up. Milwaukee doing pretty well right now. Let's talk Freddie Freeman. Then we'll get back to some prospects. Obviously, this is a major blow for the Braves, baseball, the team. I mean, he really started coming into his own as a true superstar last year. And and this year was honestly playing like a first-rounder. MLB high 14 home runs, uh, 35 runs, 25 ribbies, even four stolen bases in seven attempts, but still 341 average. I mean, Freddie Freeman was doing everything. Broken wrists now down eight to ten weeks. The one silver lining if there is going to be one to such a disastrous injury, is that if you lose a guy at first base, you got a chance to replace him. Coming into the season, it looked like first base was a little bit thin because the established bats there, uh, j- they just weren't showing up as much. You, j- you just weren't seeing as many established um, established bats that you could count on. And, and it was getting to a point where you're like, ah, oh, you're on the 8-10 mark and, and you, needed a, you needed a first baseman. Well, that's changed in season. We've seen a lot of guys emerge, Ryan Zimmerman, Yonder Alonso, 
Matt Holiday. In fact, Alonzo and Holiday at Yahoo are only 66% on, on 66% of rosters. So you might have a chance at them, but they're likely not in the, available in the leagues of our listeners. Let's, let's just be honest. Like, I, I just, I don't know. Maybe they are. If they are, go ahead and obviously get them. But I have three other guys, you know, I've got Ryan Healy, Josh Bell, who had his ninth homer today, and Justin Smoke. If you're having to replace Freddie Freeman in a 10 or 12 teamer, how do you feel about that trio? Who, who jumps out to you the most? Hmm. Well, you know, that's interesting. Uh, just a, a note about Yonder Alonso is that he's been so extreme with his, uh, his approach. His fly ballness. His fly ballness that you're starting to see that Babbitt progression. Yep. And we, we had and mentioned that. I, I remember the last time we talked about it, you said, hey, this is up at 50 something percent. Like, yeah. The batting average will come down here. You can't, you can't maintain uh, a batting average like this. This is Ryan Schimpf. This is like perfect world Ryan Schimpf. Cut down the strikeouts, but then everything else stays the same, and so you can have like a, a passable batting average. Yeah, but, you know, on, on xstats, xstats.org is a, is a, is a great place to go and, and fool around with expected slash lines based on exit velocity and launch angles put together by Andrew Perpetua. Uh, he's a rotographs writer. And if you, uh, if you go there, his expected average is 230 or 226 or something. So it, it's gone so far that he is, like he is looking a lot more like Ryan Schimp, which is just sort of amazing going, thinking back like three, four months ago. But, you know, I, I do think that, um, he's probably a little better than that. He probably has enough of him, his old self in him that he can level it out a little bit and not be as extreme. Um, I agree. Uh, hey, you need to get back in Yonder Alonso's ear and say, hey, okay. You, you, gone a little far, but you, you raised the angle. Everything's looking good, but now let's, let's, let's balance it out with some singles, man. Let's get some singles and some doubles in the gap. Not everything has to be a homer. I'd like to talk to John Jaso when he's in town because he was the most extreme launch angle changer him and, and Trevor Story and they've gone they've gone maybe too far too many two pop-ups and stuff but Jaso hit a home run today and so did Josh Josh Bell Yeah so Josh Bell hit one Josh Bell's impressing me with the power that he's showing he is showing a lot more power than I than I expected I did not I I, I talked about this before I kind of had him in that peak James Loney mold of you know perhaps 280 maybe 270 in his in his first full season or, or lower uh, but like a capable contact bat with uh good walk rate to keep the OBP nice and high and, and then a little you know some power but but nothing great he's been the number 4 hitter like i said nine homers uh, he's been he's been beasting now the average isn't as high as i even thought for the for the low end this year but uh, I think it could go up too. I think I think you could still be talking about somebody who hits two seventy something. But if we're going to get some power, I'm pretty intrigued by Josh Bell. How do you feel about him uh, out there in Pittsburgh? Yeah, I think I'm going to reach past Ryan Healy for the other two. I like Ryan Healy, but the complete lack of walks. I know that OBP isn't, you know, necessarily the stat of choice for a lot of fantasy leagues. So you might want to look past that. Sure. But it still means runs and RBI, and I think it limits his upside in terms of batting average a little bit. It has and to. It, it speaks a little bit to uh, his youth and, and maybe a little bit lower ceiling than, say, a Josh Bell, who might 
well yet develop into a well-rounded player. I mean, we all said that his defense was going to be really bad, and it hasn't really played out that way. I think he's been okay. And, you know, he's, we wondered about his, his, his offense in terms of power, and that's looking good. So, you know, we always knew he had patience. So I, I kind of like the way that Bell is coming together. And, you know, these players are very, uh, comparable when you, when you put Healy and Smoke and Bell and Alonzo into the X stats, uh, machine, mm-hmm. you get a lot of slugging percentage. The expected slugging percentage is between sort of 480, you know, 440, 450 to 500. So those are good slugging percentages. Those are numbers of players that can come in. But if you had Freeman, you wanted batting average as well. That's true because he offered, he offered that big batting average. That's something that Smoke's doing right now. How much of his 280 do you believe in with, given that we've seen a corresponding strikeout rate drop to a career best 19%? Uh, along with a corresponding swinging strike rate drop from 13% last year to 9% this year for Justin Smoke. How do you feel about his 30-year-old uh, like semi-breakout right now? Well, in terms of you know their what their launch angle and expected uh, ex- uh, what in terms of what their launch angle and exit velocity uh, say, they both are like 260 hitters, Bell and Smoke. Okay. However, you know, given Bell's history of strikeout rates, I have to believe that his strikeout rate is going to go down a little bit. Mm-hmm. And um, given his ground ball fly ball mix, he is still more ground ball heavy. I have to think that his batting average on balls of play is going to go up. He's at 250 right now, 256. And today he didn't strike out. He went for four with a home run. But he also got a walk. So I think that's a kind of, that's a good bell line for you right there. And you're not. I got bell one, I think one for three with a walk. Okay. And then. Uh, one and for then, four plate appearances. Yeah. 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 Uh, smoke, it's funny because smoke has a long history of being mediocre that you'd say he'd regress to. Whereas bell has a short history that you don't, that you would say, you know, we don't, don't know, know what he can do, right? Yeah. So it's like, do I? I don't know what I can do versus we know what he can do and it sucked for a long time. Um, it's a very interesting decision to make. I think I would just go with Bell because you're kind of looking for lightning in a, in in a bottle. Yep. If you've lost Freeman, mm-hmm. and Bell is that guy. Bell is the lightning in a bottle. I know that Smoke looks that way, and I do actually think Smoke has a lot of legit things going on right now. That, uh, that look different than they have in the past. Really nicely balanced, uh, ground ball per fly ball mix. Real low contact, a uh, really low swing strike rate. Uh, maybe the best of his career. Yeah, best of his career. So, you know, a lot of, a lot of good stuff going for him right now. And, you know, his expected stats say that, you know, this is all legit. However, he's 30, could regress, more likely to get injured than, than Bell. Has so had injuries you, before. Has had issues before. Has is going to come up on you know on a like he he he's a 330 plate appearance guy the last two years. So mm-hmm. you know once he starts getting to 300 plate appearances again, you're going to kind of be a little nervous. So uh, I think Bell is the guy I'd bet on. And I also another note. I don't think and this is something I'd like to ask you about. I don't think that I would go and trade. I don't think that I would go to the trade route. No, when you hit, get hit like this, I think it leaves you so vulnerable to uh, scavengers. Yeah. yeah, just people coming in and thinking that you are over the barrel. 
Yeah, and you're gonna and, and you're gonna uh, you know do backflips for any little nugget that they're gonna give you. And, yeah, and then they're gonna try to trade you their Holiday or Alonzo if they've already got them on a roster for some established, you know, like Carlos Carrasco or something. But hey, man, <laughs> sorry you lost Freeman, but let me just get Carrasco off your hands yeah. here. And no, and I think these are valid replacements. Again, Holiday and Alonzo still available in a third of Yahoo leagues. So make sure you check your wire just to make sure. But otherwise, you got Healy, Bell, and Smoke. I'm gonna go Bell. Healy Smoke, I think. Um, it seems like you might be going Bell Smoke Healy, but I don't really have enough difference there between Healy and Smoke to object if that is the route you're going to go. Bell is the one I want. Completely agree with everything you said about you're trying to capture lightning in a bottle. You're hoping for a 280, you know, 27 homer sort of season, and then you get the rest of that, which would include some batting average upside and then and then at least some of the pop to cover uh, Freeman. So, yeah, don't. Don't trade unless you've got something kind of already set up that you can work. But if you go out there, like you said, you're putting yourself in a vulnerable spot and uh, it probably won't end well. First base is a spot that you can actually replace a guy uh, with with some measure of, of, of quality. Uh, obviously, it's not going to be Freeman, but uh, this shouldn't kill your season. This is not going to end your season. It's not. You can find a guy and, and he, maybe Bell goes for a little while and then you got to switch out and go somewhere else. You should be able to put a reasonable facsimile of uh of freeman's remaining numbers at least in terms of the home runs i mean the things that freeman did the the, the biggest thing is actually average yeah because right now the hardest thing to do is if your stolen base guys goes down because stolen bases are so rare and so difficult and there's so few people that put up the most you know there's there's a couple of guys that put up like 50 percent stolen bases it feels like so you know if it's up to me uh, i would rather my home run guy had a problem. You know? I, I think that's I think that's the right way to to think about it. If you were going to get an injury, because you got a chance to replace some power. Now the batting average piece is where things become difficult, but that's why you're you're, you're taking some shots here on some guys who could, uh, like you said, capture that lightning in a bottle. And I think Bell's the one. Smoke's already doing it a little bit, but we don't know how certain it is. So you've got some options there. Good luck, folks. I know it's. Sucks. And go ahead. I'd also wait. Wait a week so that everyone doesn't say you just lost Freeman or whatever, and then share my disabled list piece from this week from Fangraphs. Share that with your league because I just found that that disabled list trips are up 50%. That's a huge number. That's insane. That is insane, and it's it's such a big number that I actually think – that you might be able to, unless you're in ESPN, I've been told that's not a possibility. But yeah, you can't change if, in season. If you are in another, if you're on CBS, I know it's possible, and Yahoo, I know it's possible because I've done it, and I've gotten unanimous league support for new DL slots. And that's what you and need. I, it has to be unanimous. I understand that there's sketchiness about changing uh, rules in season. Believe me, guys, I am the biggest. You can't change once the draft is happened. I understand that. But this is like this baseball is an extenu- change. Yeah, this is an extenuating circumstance. And so I, I I do think if you get full agreement, it is something that you can do. And because it's been affecting so many teams, it would be hard to find that holdout who's just like, no, no thanks. Like, I, I don't know. I mean, you don't go crazy with it because then you're going to have nobody on the wire. But some of the people that are having to get cut in some of these mixed leagues that I'm seeing, and I would go to their roster, so like, why the hell did they cut them? And then you go to their roster, you're like, oh, you're like, I oh, get it. They had you score, have no bench. <laughs> like who the what were they gonna do? So they had to cut. I don't know whoever. I can't think of a good name that you know I, I saw out there. But the, some of these names, you're like, 
damn, could I stash him? And then I, I couldn't even stash him. Right, right. Um, you know, I so think, and I think the fifty percent actually gives you a good guidepost. Fifty percent, it's out fifty percent across baseball. Look at how many disabled lists you have, and up it by fifty percent. You know, that's that's commensurate with the change in baseball. Mm-hmm. And yes, maybe some people it'll be a little bit unfair to the people that made those hard choices already. But I would submit this: everyone's made a hard choice already. That's the thing. It's getting everybody, and, and nobody wants to keep playing like this. Exactly. Like, I just want, I'm in second place in the Fangraphs Staff Autonomy League, and this, this league is actually well set up to deal with this problem because it's 40 man roster. So I actually, you have to build depth in. However, my bench is down to two players, Jay Bruce and Steven Vogt today. <laughs> and here's who I have that's injured, that's injured. Hunter Pence, Ryan Braun, Travis Darno, Johnny Peralta, Yoannis Yo- Yo- Cespedes, Trevor Story, Freddie Freeman, Tyler Thornburg, Stephen Matz, Drew Smiley, Aaron Norla, uh, Anthony Discafani. So I have four four pitchers on my bench and two uh, and two batters, and I don't even have a prospect. Normally I have prospects, and since I'm a second place team that's going for it, I don't really have any prospects. So. That's insane. By the way, Story was the guy. You actually jogged my memory there. Story was the guy that I the saw cut, and I was like, "What?" And then again, went back to his roster. He had. Three He's got the extreme bond tangle. He needs to calm that down a little yes, bit. Yes, he really, he really does. He's okay. going out on uh, rehab soon, I think. Yeah, is the news. I hope that uh, this that that this time maybe a rehab stint for him is a little bit more mechanical and 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 approached rather than you know really just about getting timing back. So exactly, I'm I'm hopeful for him to come back with a little bit more uh, reduced uh, situation there. In any case, the. The this, the problem is for everyone, and uh, you might get unanimous approval. I might not do it right away after Freeman just because people will – it will be too easy for them to sort of poo-poo you. Yeah, or and, and say that you're, you're, you've only come to this because of your Freeman injury. It, but, again, it or, is a or thing. Wear it. wear it and get out there and be like, yes, this is why I'm bringing it up. However, each one of you is dealing with this right now. Each one of you – and that's what happened in my – especially in Dynasty Leagues. If it's a Dynasty League, oh, my God, it's so hard for everyone because you don't want to drop these guys because a lot of them are young and interesting or, you know, mm-hmm. have value next year. So, you know, it's very it's very difficult for everyone right now. And if you just say, I know why, you know, I'm aware that, this, that I'm bringing this up because of Freeman. Here's an article that says it's up 50% across baseball. We have four DL slots. Let's at least add one, if not two. And uh, in the two leagues I've done it, it's got unanimous support and gone through. So uh, I we, think, yeah, it, we you did know, it, we did it happened one. in, like, labor because, well, first of all, labor has an unlimited DL, which sure. is great right now. <laughs> That's coming in huge. Yeah, I mean – same thing. We had it changed in one league. Nobody said a peep. Everyone acknowledged. And we even talked about some of that stuff where we said, yeah, we know that it's going to give a little bit of an advantage to a few guys here and there because they didn't have to, you know, deal with the, or, or they had to make the tough decision. But those, even those guys were saying, yeah, we get it. I mean, let's, let, let's do this here. Like what, what are we even doing out here? So, um, I'm in second place in my auto new league and this is my first auto new league. I, I, that I've done like, from scratch. I did one where I filled in for a team a long time ago. I couldn't I couldn't rebound the team at all. I was just learning about Autonew. But my first draft uh with 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 some cool industry industry folks um and I'm I'm in second place. I bought nice. Trout and five Harper. By five or? Um I think it's just straight up points. Ah, points. So I have four. Wow, you brought Trout and Harper, so you have a stars and scrubs team? Check this. Trout Harper and Votto. Uh, wow. Desmond, 
Jose Ramirez, Eric Thames. Ever heard of him? Nice. Uh, yeah. Cody Bellinger, Bradley Zimmer. Wow. Ever heard of him? Austin wow. Hedges. Ever heard of him? Ian nice. Happ. But wow. it takes the hit in the pitching. Uh, Darvish and then Britton, Felix, Tyone, Granky. Granky's working. Um, yeah. So, so I got Darvish, Granky, and Walker really carrying the pitching. The pitching is in trouble. Uh, Urban Santana was a, was a good early. Um, you know, he, he was great early. He looks like he's really coming back to earth his last couple of starts. So the pitching's going to need work, but it's been a fun experience so far in my, uh, in, in my first ever auto new league. I didn't do the podcast to talk about auto new though. Yes, so, that's right. Let's move on. Right. Um, but although it's an appropriate time because we're going to go to prospects in a second. So it's okay. Yeah. Actually, it, it, it does work, uh, because we are going to talk prospects, but I got one little note, one little tidbit that kind of jumped out to me. And, uh, you know, I looked at this guy the other day and I was like, hmm, maybe we'll see. But I thought maybe it was going to be, uh, the, the established guy. So I didn't give the Mariners enough credit. And I, I got to remember Jerry DePoto, uh, isn't always going to be by the book in terms of some of the moves they want to do. Uh, it looks like Seattle could look to James Pazos for some of their save opportunities. And again, I thought Sishek and Zick would be the guys. Sishek because he's done it before. Zick because he, he just has that kind of closer and waiting look to him. James Pazos does though too. He is, uh, he's, he's a 26 year old who throws 96 with a 31% strikeout rate, 13% swinging strike rate. So he's very fastball heavy, 70%. It's fastball slider. What do you got on James Pazos as a potential closer for the Mariners? Yeah, the only thing that I have that I don't like about him is he's lefty. And we've talked about how they usually don't pick lefties. Because they, uh, because I think it hamstrings the rest of the, 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 the bullpen a little bit. Because you usually only have one or two, um, and, and, a and lot, that's still, a lot of teams have the one, and so then that makes it tough. It's still kind of true for them though, because they have Scrabble, they have Mark Arzepsinski, Ar, Ar, Zepchinski. Zepchinski. Yes. And, um, and, and what did they, you say? I, no, you said Arzabzinski. You, you pronounce the R really heavily too, by the way. All right. Oh, all right. You're like, all right. All right. <laughs> by the way, I, I gotta add this. Just, just uh, bragging about my uh, um, Auto team. I'll, I'll take a little self roast here. The two leagues that I have Freeman. I have him in two leagues. One is 15 teams, and the other is 24 teams. So uh, like these two uh, uh, uh. deep as hell leagues where I have him, I'm just like yeah, devastated. I'm like, yeah. why couldn't I have had him in 10 and 12 teamers? Anyway, uh, anyway, so Scrabble's a loogie, right? So yeah, he's a straight up you loogie. can still, you can use him, but if you use him as a loogie in the seventh or eighth, yes. you know, you know, if you don't have a second, maybe it's okay to not have a second lefty. Maybe they can do it. You know, it just, it's, it's, it's a little bit of window why they don't normally do it. However, Pazos does check the other boxes and better than Zick, who was my guy. Um, in that he has the best velocity and the best strikeout rate uh, of the crew mm-hmm. other than Diaz. So I actually kind of think it'll be Diaz long term. I think that there's something that needs to be righted for him more in the commands uh, part of the world than anything else. Um, oh, I agree with you that he's going to get it back. Yeah, I, I agree with you that anything this, that we see here uh, feels very much short term in terms of the uh, Seattle so. open. I think the play is actually to keep to if someone dropped Diaz to get him. Uh I don't know, trading for a guy like this, it becomes too obvious what you're trying to do. Yeah. You know, it's like if I have Diaz and you try to come trade with for him for, with me, like I'd be like, Oh, so you think he's 
you're going to close again. So maybe I would, I I would sh- give it a second look. Like if I, if I was uh, uncertain on it and I was thinking about trading, I'd be like, wait a minute. And then I'd go look, maybe try to read some stuff and, uh, and be like, you guys think he's going to get, you know, a podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you that it, it definitely raises the flag right away, especially if you target him. Now, if you get him like, thrown into a deal or something you're already working on something you're like eh, okay and then throw uh throw diaz in on your side and i'll give this guy it's a little bit different but if you're like specifically like hey i was looking at edwin diaz w- let's talk and then they're like <laughs> okay sketchy sketch your i know what you're trying I, to do I, I got you dog i see you i do want to see something also uh, because uh so puzzles got the save last night right did he uh, last night or the night before uh, let me see here. Uh, A's, Mariners, oh, is it a four, four run lead? Did he not? Maybe it was, uh, Monday? Let me see here. Because, uh, I wanna see, uh, okay, so he, oh, look at that. He was in for, uh, five outs. So I was gonna say, you know, he mostly faced lefties, but not if he was in for five outs on the Bergman win yesterday. Dude, Christian Bergman, everyone's like, is he good now? I'm like, I don't think so, Tim. I really don't <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, he's, I mean, he's not, he doesn't really have the strikeout stuff. That's the thing. I, I picked him up in labor because I just need pitching and I was like, you know, Seattle, uh, and, uh. Oh, and, and labor's completely different. You gotta make, you gotta take some shots like that, that you're like, I'm gonna pick up this puke bag just to take a shot, but. Yeah. You know. Um, and, and, uh, he, I think he does have a decent sinker. But um, beyond that, I, I was really surprised by the strikeouts. Same. And I don't, I don't really. When I look up and down his line, I don't really see, you know, what's uh, what's his standout uh, pitch. I guess maybe the changeup, uh, but that means it's the changeup and a sinker, which are more more similar. Mm-hmm. So, uh, no, you I, know, I agree with I, you he's there. got he's got a lot of pitches. That's one thing I will tell say for him is he does throw five pitches more than ten percent of the time. So, you know, maybe he's going to do smoke and mirror his way through an, an interesting season. And right now, I think he is worth one more word because maybe somebody's saying, why are you talking about this guy so much? But um, the Mariners' death chart right now at starting pitcher is a wasteland. Well, that's the thing. They put in almost their entire starting rotation is, is, on, the, is on the DL. Or have yeah, been Hernandez, at some point Paxton, this year. Right now, Hernandez, Paxton, Iwakuma, and, and Smiley. Smiley. That's four. Four so, bits. Yeah. Are you kidding me? So that's that Gallardo, insane. that Gallardo pickup actually seems a little bit more sane in the pa- in in retrospect because he's at least a guy who goes out there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so anyway, among the guys that are left, and I might even be including Miranda. So I might say that Bergman might be the second best pitcher. And the active rotation right now. And what they've got going right now. Okay, so then that that is AL only. Then there is a little bit of viability. I, w- I was just kind of dismissing him out of hand, but, but I don't want you're... DeJong. I don't want Overton. I saw a lot of Overton. Oh yeah, uh, I don't want DeJong either. I, I got it, nothing for DeJong. Or Whalen Overton. was healthy, maybe he's a sinker baller type. I, I've had some love for Heston in the past, but those guys aren't even. Whalen's not up, and I mean Heston's not up, and Whalen's hurt. Overton is not, uh, you know, not that great. So, you know, it's Bergman or no one to Jong. So, okay, maybe Miranda's better just because I don't know why, actually. Maybe because he's a lefty. <laughs> so I think he's maybe better, but I don't know. If Miranda's useful in any league, then Bergman is just as useful. Okay, okay. Let's talk prospects. It'll be a lot, more, a lot more interesting here than uh, these uh, ninth and tenth starters on the Mariners. 
Um, okay, we got four guys who are currently up, and I want to get your outlook on what they can do the rest of the year, including one guy just returning, Amir Garrett. Uh, we got Ian Happ, who's supposed to be up for just a, a, the, like a weekend or, or a short time, and then kind of started hitting, and like, well, okay, we'll see. It, it, it's looking Cody Bellinger-esque a little bit. Not quite with the performance, but just like, Hey, we're gonna say this about you're not gonna stay up very long, but if you prove it, if you know, which, which by the way is really tough to put on a player. Like if you can hit immediately, you can stay. But uh, he is so far through 17 point appearances. Ian Happ is. Bradley Zimmer just got called up. Somebody we've been talking about for a while. Uh, I loved taking Bradley Zimmer in deep leagues where where prospects get drafted and can be reserved because I just did not believe in that Cleveland outfield at all. So it's nice to see that he's up. I mentioned Amir Garrett's back. He only went down really to kind of protect his innings and and, uh, manipulate some service time, to be honest. I really think that's all it was because I think it was on the heels of a good start. Um, He's been kind of hit and miss. And then Barrios is up, and he had a good first start um, against Cleveland uh, back on the weekend. So these four. What are your thoughts on them the rest of the year? Start with Ian Happ. I mean, wasn't he? He was playing second base in the in the minors. He was, I think, but he's the second yeah. base outfield. Uh, it, that's that's another thing that kind of rings true to to the Bellinger uh, comparison in that. It wasn't just going to be second base. There was going to, if there was outfield potential, that was it's somewhere we had to it's look true. for him. The difference here, though, I think, is that in order for it to work for him, it has to be center. Right now, perhaps, yeah, I, agree. I mean, I, I don't think they're not sending Schwarber down. No, and they better I, not. I just traded for that clown. I Hayward does work in center, but if you move Hayward to center, then you're making Baez a utility guy, and Zobris is. In, at second, and Hap is playing right, or he moves over to right field, and Hap is playing second. All these things are possible. Hap has started I, two of his games in right. I would say that this is less likely than Bellinger, because I, I thought, you know, I thought going into the season that Bellinger would make an impact this year, but I tone that down because I was like, I'm not sure where and I don't, we you know, then Gonzo got hurt. We got to stop doing that though. <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not crapping on you. I, I do it all the time. And I was, you know, I was talking about it when he, when he started beasting, like you saw the talent, we saw it in Arizona, fell in love yeah. with him. And then we backed off because what do we think? Things are going to be perfect and nothing was going to open up. I don't know. I think these guys that are like on, and I'm not talking like, Draft Victor Robles because he could be so good he would force his way. Yeah, right. He, he's five years old. I'm talking about the guys who are, are are on the cusp. They're in AAA. You can easily see a scenario where they beast out so much that they end up uh, getting that playing time. And I, do, I don't think it's just uh, hindsight 2020. I think guys like Bellinger, Conforto, uh, they need to be more appropriately valued because – that playing time is going to open. You're going to get a shot. You're going to at least get a shot, whether it's an extended three-week period of time. And if you prove it there, you get to stick. I don't know. So uh, we'll see about Hap. I'm not saying that that makes you wrong about Hap or anything. I'm just saying that these guys get their shot when they're ready. Yeah, and then I guess the other part of it then is the reason I am going to walk this back on Hap a little bit is that I've seen some Hap, and I didn't like him as much as Bellinger. So uh Bellinger has a swing for the fences, no doubt about it, power with the fly ball rates to match. And 
it's, you know, in some ways has had better walk, walk and strikeout numbers. And then watching it, I was like, Bellinger, you know, that, like, it's like the, 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 the girl in the room, you know, I mean, or the guy in the room. I don't know. It can be unisex, but you know, the, that person in the room that you're like, whoa, I need, I need to watch that person because that's exciting. Whereas Hap to me, uh, I look at his numbers. I'm like, okay, there's some exciting stuff here. When I saw him, I was like, okay, but I don't know. I didn't get the same excitement level myself. So, okay. uh, to me, Bellinger was a level above after I'd seen them. I know there are some people who are amazed by that because Hap has been super exciting to a lot of different people, but, um, I, I'm not as sold on him. I wouldn't sell the farm for him. And I, looking at the situation, I just don't, uh, I think it's even harder actually in some ways because, you know, at his natural position, there's two guys, yeah, right? Like, if you look at Bellinger, the natural position, there was one guy. It was Gonzo, right? And if Gonzo got hurt, he was old. It's fine. And at Hap's natural position, there's two guys. Maybe even three if you want to count Lestella. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of the guys there. So then you take him to his unnatural position. You've got Schwarber, who's a beast. you got Hayward, who's locked into millions and millions of dollars. And then you're, you're looking at him at center field and you're kind of like, well, Almora, Hayward, and possibly even Jay are better center fielders. Maybe not. Maybe he's equal to Jay. Would make him the third best option in center field if everyone's healthy. So, uh, I mean, everyone's healthy right now proving, is proving to be a difficult thing because of that DL stuff we talked about. But just sort of looking through this, I think this is a nice run for him. I think he is eventually going to go back down. Hayward's starting a rehab this weekend. And I just think Hap has options. If you don't, if no one else gets hurt when Hayward comes back, it's easier to use the option on the young player and say, hey, that was a really good job. We love you. Go back down and, you know, just do what you do and we'll see you again soon. I mean, it's the, it's the 10 day DL, you know, season. We're going to see him again, but I think he's more in and out than, than Ballinger. Okay. Uh, Bradley Zimmer out in Cleveland called up. Time's open. Seems- That's- like an interesting yeah. prospect. What, what do we got? I, I'm I'm huge. So I'm huge huge on uh, Bradley Zimmer. So I'm I'm scooping him just about every, pretty much everywhere to just take the shot. I uh, acknowledge that maybe in ten and twelve, uh, there could be some guys that are better on the wire in terms of you know more higher Batting probability. Average. Yeah, but I want to take the shot because those guys are going to be there if Zimmerman uh, if Zimmer flames. So I'm going to mm-hmm. take the shot that Zimmer is is going to beast out and maybe go Tyler Naquin on the league real quick. Although when Naquin was out of nowhere, at least Zimmer would have the the requisite skill back up to go to go ape shit. So I'm hoping for that. And if it doesn't happen again, I turn back to my wire in a ten and twelve team and I can get something. How do you think? How do you feel about Bradley Zimmer? It's a good point about what's on the wire and the the ceiling that Zimmer represents, but the the floor is also there. I mean, this guy struck out a lot in the minor leagues. And he's not even projected uh, to have, even in an OBP league, projected to be about a 310 OBP guy. So that's that's with walk rates and strikeout rates that are sort of commensurate with what he did in the minor leagues. So uh, I'm a little bit worried that the the whiffs are going to be a problem. I think that the projected power is too low. I think he's kind of a guy that needed something to click. We were talking to him at the AFL, and he was sort of talking about the way pitchers were pitching him and and uh and certain strategy type things that I think eluded him possibly along with a little bit of uh uh, uh of his health there or or tiredness at the end of the 2016 season so uh did we see him at the AFL we must have I just don't see a line on his on his uh I 
on his card for that. I think it's not updated. I, I feel like we have seen Bradley Zimmer. At I mean, I, I interviewed him, and it was at the call. AFL, right? It was, um, yeah, yeah. He, went, okay. he, did, he did play for Mesa, and uh, he went 257, 421, 514, four homers, yeah. eight stolen bases. Yeah, we saw Zimmer. Had a good time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, uh, what I'm saying is uh, there is – you could – Push the strikeout rate down a little bit and say, "Hey, you know, this guy uh, is figuring stuff out." Although, you know, 29.9 percent strikeout rate in AAA at a, a second time a, a go around. So, I don't know. I um, the one thing that is nice for him is that the opportunities is there. I mean, there there is, and and he could actually maybe even stay up, you know, with some iffy numbers because. I don't think they really want Lonnie Chisenhall as their starting center fielder. Nobody would want that. Of course no, they I don't. don't. So. No, I fully agree with you that that uh, he doesn't even have to be great out, uh, right out of the gate. Uh, Bradley's never. They're playing him in the around. eighth and ninth in the eighth and ninth spot in the in the lineup, so they're not even asking him out of him. They're saying, you know, you're our best center field. He's probably their best center fielder defensively. I mean, Austin Jackson when he's back and he's healthy, hurt. yeah. You could make an argument to being the best center fielder, but the offense you're getting from Jackson is even worse than even what Zimmer's projected for. So you might as well put Zimmer in there and hope for the ceiling. Exactly. So I think you know my my Cleveland Indians have Zimmer at, at center most days, Austin Jackson as sort of righty backup defensive replacement, um, and then you've got Brantley and Almonte uh, splitting time on one side, and then you've got um, Chiz. Uh, Chiz and Geyer on the other side. That's, and, and that's when that's a, gets healthy. The Brantley, Brantley only needs Jackson, only needs Jackson or, or needs Almonte only because, um, he's, can't play every day. Just get some off days, exactly. It's not a yeah. platoon, it's a, it's an off day thing. Now the problem is, each one of those backups that you mentioned is hurt right now. Almonte, Geyer, and Jackson. And Which so that's why, why they have But I think even full, full strength, it's, uh, it's like, Zimmer, Jackson, and center. So that's, that, that is actually six outfielders, right? Mm-hmm. So six outfielders plus two catchers is eight, Almonte, and then Almonte, leave. I think, is the losing end here. Yes. Almonte or Jackson has to lose out here. Yeah, maybe you just do the the faux DL swap with those guys. Oh, does your hamstring hurt? Oh, you, you should go back on. Does your hand hurt? Jackson's no, back. hammers their hand. Hurt? Oh, you have a broken <laughs> finger now. You just did that to me. You just hit. Uh, yeah, well, it's broken now, so you'll be out for a little while. We'll catch you uh, later. Thank you. Uh, okay. People doubt that stuff happens, but it happens. Let's move. Let's move to the pitchers. Uh, Mir Garrett's back, and Jose Barrios is up. Who do you like best out of those two? It's, it's Barrios, right? Leading question. <laughs> what was it? What was the guy other than Barrios? Amir, Amir Garrett. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a leading question, but it's also it's an not, obvious you know, answer. It's a. It's also kind of a question uh, about what you're looking for in a pitcher. And I do think, even though somebody asked me today in my in my chat, like what, like what, when were you wrong? When were you right? And I was <laughs> in in my oh. typical understated fashion. I said uh, the right is is uh, too many to list here. The wrong, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I will uh, I'll list a few names. And I can't, you know, there's two ways I'm wrong, and and this is actually I think very interesting for both of these players. The two ways I'm wrong the most often are one is bad fastball. There are guys I've fallen in love with in the past. Chase Whitley is one of them. You do have uh, bad fastballs. I do because usually if they have a bad fastball, they got there by doing something 
um, else. with the other stuff. Yep. Yeah. So they have, so Chase Whitley, for example, has two secondary pitches that are great and are different and go in different directions. And so, yeah, he has 91, 92 mile an hour fastball that he has to place and he has to pitch backwards and he has to do all this stuff. And maybe that makes him a bad AL starter. I still maintain that if Chase Whitley was on the Braves, he'd be their best starting pitcher. Well, second. Um, so, you know, that, the, the AL NL thing, uh, also relevant actually here, but, uh, what I would say is the bad fastball is one way I mess up because I see a lot of secondary pitches and I say that's great. And the other one is bad command. Uh, Alan Webster, John Lamb. John Lamb is actually bad fastball and bad commands. So the twofer. <laughs> up twice. The yeah. rare, the rare twofer. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, Alan Webster came and it was fire and had, had two or three secondary pitches that were great and a fastball that was 93, 94 when it was at its best. So I was like, what is missing here? He's going to be the next Carrasco. He's going to be the next Duffy. He's, you know, he's the guy. And I guess his, his command, and it's the same thing with, with, uh, Lamb. And actually there's this sort of extra thing which is, uh, like the way you hold yourself, like, um, I don't know, what do people call that? Sort of like body language yeah, or like, like, like demeanor? Exact, yeah, demeanor is a good one. That's the demeanor. One Both those guys are minus, 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 minus demeanor. So, you know, that's something that scouts like to talk about that I think sometimes you'll see guys who are major leaguers and are fine that don't have great demeanor so you're kind of like ah who cares and it also seems like this stupid you know psychological mumbo jumbo that you know that's old schoolers talk about Mm -hmm. however you know you look at webster and you look at lamb the team doesn't really want to play behind them the players don't look confident and you know then you think back to how bad brian wilson was at the end of his career and how he was throwing nothing but just smoke and mirrors and that stupid face and <laughs> told me that in the interview that the stupid phase is on pr- on purpose because he said I can throw a forty mile an hour knuckleballer up there, but they see me being Brian Wilson yeah. and stomping around the mound and being just you know in my head I'm like douchebag. Yeah. Uh, but he's like, like you know being me, uh, they don't expect that forty mile an hour knuckleball, so they so they uh, you know they miss it. So you know if, if you're up there kind of sulking and and then you kind of throw something that doesn't have real good conviction and kind of leaks over the plate they're like that's what i was waiting for i could see he was going to do that because i think look there at- is something to that like i don't i don't think that that's you know trite intangible bs i definitely think there's something to that i mean body language matters and i'm not saying that it's gonna like make the batter better in terms of like, well, now, you know, Eric Sogard's going to be hitting 500 foot homers off of somebody because of their body language. But I certainly think that it's, it, it's going to put you in, in a bad space to be successful. Like, I mean, your attitude matters. And that doesn't mean that, you know, everyone that's not boisterous and outgoing has a bad attitude, but there is bad body language. And I, I agree with you on these guys having it and, it and it certainly impacts them I, I think amir garrett might have had some bad body language today because he returned to face the cubs in wrigley and gave up six runs on f- in, in four innings. well i didn't want to put that tag on anyone it's just something that came up when i was talking about those oh, i was kidding well, about garrett sorry that, yeah that's not we're not saying garrett you're talking uh, about other people on that yeah but amir garrett i think is more in the bad fastball bin really nice change up good enough breaking ball the he's 
surprisingly bad fastball. I mean, I thought we've talked we've about said this before. It before, but we where thought the hell is 95? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know where it went. Where did that go? And then uh, on the Barrio side, it's it's he's the bad command guy. I don't. But but please don't be. Could could you could you not? Could you be the minor league guy who has good command? Or maybe maybe. I think it's, 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 and maybe the confidence can come in here. I think it's just nibbling because he's yes. in the big leagues and he got whooped the first time through. Exactly. And I'm hoping that he doesn't let that, that 58 innings from last year get too much in his head and he looks more at his minor league track record and says, I've got the stuff to succeed here. You don't have to nibble. I also think there were some issues with tipping. And so when they know what's coming, they're going to, they're going to be tough to get out when they don't know what's coming. If they know what's coming, you're in deep shit. And he had an 802 the only, ERA. The only, the only thing that makes me nervous is that I just don't trust the Twins to develop this guy. No. Because, you know, I think for me, I might actually tell him to throw the curveball more. He's been throwing it less. I would tell him maybe to throw the fastball less because he had been teeing off on it. And, you know, make him almost do a little bit more like late career Eovaldi, you know, or, or you've seen it with other guys. Just because you have 94 or 95 doesn't mean you need to show it to them every time. Right now, everybody in the league is sitting dead red. It's actually a really interesting piece by by Russell Carlton over at BP. Yes. He said that you could actually explain a lot of today's home run surge by just saying strikeouts don't matter, no one's doing a two-strike approach, everyone's swinging, swinging really hard, hard, and they're all sitting dead red. And, so, and, and you're getting all these 95 mile per hour. And these guys trying to throw as hard as they can, it starts to straighten out. You yeah. know, there's those crazy fastballs, obviously, that can be 97 and with wiggle and life. But a lot of those, you start p- pumping in those, uh, near triple digits, they're straightening out. Uh, but part of going for that high effort is you can't get that, that late life on it. And so we've said this a million times, 95 and, and straight. The major leaguers are going to catch up to it, especially if they've got three chances. And like you said, there's no two-strike approach. They're still trying to go yak on 0-2. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, uh, you know, Jay Sutter Day was was like, you know, 0-2 oh. and 1-2 or something and kept kept swinging for the fences and, you know, Speaking got his of, homers. So. Sorry, sorry to interrupt you. Hunter Renfro yeah. yak got out in a hurry. Yeah, now, it I still love that. It was uh three one maybe change up. It was eighty five miles per hour from Zach Davies. It could have been a fastball given the way uh he throws the ball, but holy hell that got out in a heartbeat. Yeah. Um, you say you still like Renfro. He he has obviously he's no longer a, a prospect, but since we are kind of talking about young young players here, he's only well, in two like two fifteen after this homer, but I think that was his eighth homer of the year. T- yeah. talk to me a little bit about Hunter Renfro. I still think he can hit 30 this year, or he's, I think he's like a true talent 30 home run guy. I completely agree with that, by the way. And he started to walk a little bit more, and he's played with that patience aggressiveness. He's not a Ryan Healy with the 4% walk rates up and down his career. He's kind of gone up and down with it. And I think I tried to talk to him at the Futures game about the interplay between aggressiveness, patience, and power. There's, there's a little bit of a give and take there. And sort of talking about, you know, hunting a pitch versus being passive, you know, there's, there's some, you know, there's ways to be, to kind of play with that line. I got the question out and then they had to go on the field. So that didn't work out for them, but I, sometime soon I'll, I'll ask him that question. We'll talk about it, but you, you're seeing the walks. I think people saw the power and thought this guy doesn't, isn't patient. So I'm going to step off, you know, the zone percentage. I'm going to, you know, nibble some more and, and, and make him, make him, more passive. And so he's kind of stepped back off and you can actually see in his game log, it's pretty, 
pretty, you know, pretty obvious that he went from, you know, not walking at all early in the season to kind of having a walk per game over the last week, week or two. So, um, yeah, I think that's a good sign for him. Would you buy Renfro in all leagues? All keeper leagues for sure. Okay. Uh, all leagues, I think, you know, maybe, I mean, it's like the 230, 240 level of batting average, it, it, like in a 10 team. I guess kind 10 of, team, he might actually yeah. be on the wire. I, I, yeah, I'll yeah. acknowledge that because the batting average is so bad. Eight homers is nice, but that's not, that's not so crazy that someone can't cut that. And he, and I think he's hit back to back homers. So somebody could have cut him earlier this week. When he only had, you know, a 200 average and six homers. So, okay, probably not. But he's also, there. he's also not a Yonder Alonso or a Ryan Schimpf in that his fly ball mix or whatever is not uh, as extreme. Okay. So this 250 batting average of balls of play is probably a little low. Uh, he's not just like a only fly ball guy. So, you know, maybe, maybe there's a little bit of give on that batting average on balls of play. Maybe he could even have a 300 batting average on balls of play. And if he did that, He'd be more like a 250, 260 guy. And I believe in the power for sure. And, you know, somebody asked me in this chat today, would you rather Jorge Soler or Hunter Renfro? I've always just really liked Renfro, so I think I would go with yeah. Renfro. And I, I, I do too. When I watch Jorge Soler, I see the possibility that there's an unovercomable obstacle in that he's just not good against breaking balls. And you can throw a hanging breaking ball in the zone. You can throw. He somehow throw, pulls off of those. Some, yeah. Uh, it's, it's amazing, right? Like, like you said, I saw completely missed. Throw, I saw someone throw three straight hanging breaking balls in the zone and he missed them somehow. <laughs> it's like, those are hangers. They're not even, they're not even good ones. What is happening? Yeah, that's, that's pretty bad. Like that, that can't happen. It can't. You can't be, you, you, you can't be that bad against the breaking ball. And, you know, you can make a career of, of, of being able to just kind of hit fastballs, uh, for the most part, but you gotta show something that makes them a little bit fearful to throw the, uh, to throw the junk or else you're just not gonna, I get, you're just not gonna last. Yeah. I get, I get late career Andrew Jones without the defense, which, uh. Sweet combo. Not really, sweet, not sweet really. player. That's that's definitely what you want. <laughs> Basically, you just described a pinch hitter. Awesome. An yeah, all or so. nothing pinch hitter, by the way, too. If you need a base hit, probably not. You're just trying to have him go yak. So, um, okay, let's talk about these four guys who aren't up yet, and, uh, but could be. They're four four hitters. Uh, sorry, AL. Well, should we do a would you rather on Barrios? I'm kind of interested. Actually, in that. you know what? We should. That's a, that's a, that's a great Didn't idea. Quite finish him Let up. me give you some names. I've got some names here that I I want to give the names. Because among those four, we were pretty, pretty. I think we were both more Zimmer opportunity than Hap, at least. Yes. And you were you you you're a little bit more on Zimmer talent uh, than I was, maybe. But uh, but the Zimmer has the opportunity, so we're both there. And then on Garrett versus Barrios, I think we both would pick Barrios. But there's a lot. There are other other arms that could. Uh, that we could go so. So you have any some would you rather scenarios? Got a handful here. I'm actually gonna go. I'm gonna go with a, a decent handful because I think this is a, uh, an interesting topic. Uh, Daniel Norris versus Jose Barrios. Hmm. Barrios had the worst minor league swing strike rate that he's had in AAA this year. It's not great. They both have. They're both. They both have good velocity and and multiple pitches. 
that uh, I like. I feel like Daniel Norris is an adjustment away from dominating. Like I think and that's. I want the you biggest. to be right. I, I I agree. By the way, but uh, so I'm I'm gonna go with Norris. I I think maybe that describes Barrios, but Norris has 170 innings under his belt. You know he's. You took he, the words out of my mouth. To it, he's yeah. already gone through a lot of the stuff that Barrios is probably gonna go through. Right? We 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 invest in a guy like this Hoping. because they could skip it. Um, we, we, we never know when it's going to be the guy who comes up and, and it clicks. And so that's why you take your shot on a Barrios. But, but the, the higher probability is that he's going to go through the, the growing pains and hopefully it's not as bad as last year. And it's more of a, uh, you know, like 450 ERA, which means you got to have some pretty good starts, uh, mixed in with some duds. And, and, and that's probably the way it's going to go. But if everything clicks and, and, and he pitches well, you could have something in the threes for Rios. But I agree. I think Daniel Norris is is the guy there uh, for sure. I think that's who I'd go so with. You have to go lower than Norris. So now you might not agree that these names are lower than Norris, but I'm, I'm going to try them anyway. What about Matt Moore? Matt Moore is throwing way too many cutters. I was excited about it because it was helping his command, but now – his swing strike rate is way down, worst of his career. Um, yeah, he needs to go back to throwing those other pitches. I think I would take Barrios because mm, yeah, league, if Barrios was in the National League, I think I would take him in a second. That'd I agree with that. Sick. If we're in a league where this is this is even a possibility, I'm already assuming that it's it's deeper or it's not it's not shallower. a fifty. It's shallower. So then. There is a want, Matt more substance on the wire that I can go get yeah, back and if Burrios fails. Don't snort the, the Matt Moore substance. No, don't snort uh, that substance right <laughs> now. You can't. It's too risky. It's laced. It's laced with uh, yeah, I would, I would take Burrios in that league. I'd probably take Burrios and put him on a bench. In fact, that seems like an idea that I might that I might do. Joe be a genie. Reliever coming yeah, out I'm, of the uh, out of the pen him. and pitching well. I know, I know, but I'm taking Burrios. You know, you okay. never know. You never know. How uh, something is going to uh, translate to starting, and I know that he definitely has the pitches mm-hmm. uh, to to do this, but I'm a little bit afraid that it's kind of the Whitley situation where, you know, yes, he's it looks like he has a 94 mile an hour fastball, but what is that going to be? You know, let me see uh, if, if it's already gone down. When sometimes the you start you, piling up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, sometimes you you you. Uh, get this. It's interesting. Have you seen some of these guys will keep the velocity boost from going to the pen in season? Yes. But then lose it the following uh, year. This is the following season. Yes. Yeah. So, but, uh, so Biagini was in the starts is still 93, 94, um, down from a peak of 96, 95. Um, I don't know. Uh, he's definitely got more pitches. Like a maybe one more pitch and a little bit more pitchability command. Um, he's, got, but, he's got a floor, but does he really have a ceiling? Does Joe Biagini have a ceiling of, you know, seven inning outings potentially? No, I don't think so. I think Barrios is a guy who you can still get some seven inning gems from. Biagini is that guy you're like, I'm just looking for five or six good innings most of the time. Yeah. There's going to be some duds, but for the most part, I'm just looking for it's, I think it's a floor versus ceiling with those two to be quite honest. Yeah. And, and for be a genie, it's like, you still have the, uh, home park to yeah. think about. Yeah. Okay. Um, last one here, Jordan Montgomery, a guy we haven't talked about in a while Montgomery. out there in New York. Oh, you snap Montgomery. 
Yeah, Montgomery. Let's get an update on him then, because we, like I said, we haven't talked about him in a while. He came up, looked really sharp. He's got good stuff, um, and he's been good. Like 419 ERA is is nothing, nothing to sneeze at in the pitching environment that we're in, and the skills are even suggesting something, uh, perhaps a little bit better with uh, with an 8.7 strikeout rate, just under four walks. Uh, he's only given up more than three once, and it was his last outing against Houston when he went six innings, four runs. So he's been good. Uh, talk to us a little bit more about Jordan Montgomery for the Yankees. I think the command is coming. I, I mean, I'm not command is a little bit more innate than that. I think the walk rate is coming is going to go down to meet his command. I think his command is good. He, he, he's so. he's settling in. You're you're saying? Yeah. You know, every time I watch for an extended period of time with him, I it's it's a mistake, you know, to a batter he's seen a couple of times. Um, and usually a left-hander. I mean a right-hander. This is so, Jordan Montgomery. When he gives something up, you're saying it's like, ah, oh, got you the third time. Yeah, the, the changeup is not very good uh, in terms of movement or velocity gap or drop or spin or any <laughs> Sweet so, pinch. And he throws it a lot. Like he's thrown it as much as his curve and his sinker. So I think that that might go down. I'd like to see it go down. Um, be more of a show-me pitch. Uh, and then that would also, I think, probably help his command. Um, so the changeup, he's, he's actually increased usage and he's using all his pitches almost the same amount, which is, I think, a good way to be. That's a good way to keep batters off, you know, off their, um, you know, you know, with it from timing it very well. But I would up the curveball, drop the changeup, and I do think that his natural command is better than his walk rate right now. So I'm very excited about Montgomery. Okay. Uh, I can dig it. I, I, I've been enjoying the, the the fruits of of his labor so far. He's been he's been strong. I've been uh, impressed with with Jordan Montgomery. I didn't have a, a major book on him. We had talked a little bit about him coming into the season, uh, and we were kind of handicapping that that Chad Green versus um, Jordan Montgomery race. And Green is still somebody that if they need another guy to come up. I think he can do some damage for them as well. So I do like Jordan Montgomery. I think I agree with you. As much as I like Barrios, I think I'm going with Montgomery myself. All right, I got four other hitters here, including the number one prospect in baseball, Yohan Mankata. Uh, Ahmed Rosario, Reese Hoskins, a first base prospect, the, the rare first base prospect, but not that rare because we have two of them, Dom Smith, Dominic Smith uh, for the Mets. So we got those four guys right now who are kind of on the cusp a little bit and uh, maybe could have some opportunity crop up in the summer months. How do you feel about them? First off, rank them. Is it the, is it the way I've got them slotted or do you have a different rank in terms of how you would look at them for 17 impact only? I might move Ahmed Rosario up there and I might throw Rafael Devers onto the list. Okay. Because the third base situation in Boston has been a disaster. Yes. And I think, uh, I think the big question there is, is Ahmed Rosario versus the versus Rafael Devers in terms of someone that could come up this year and make an impact and get a starting job. The Mets don't really have a good starting shortstop. I think Azdrubal Cabrera is a good second baseman. I think um, Jose Reyes is a good utility man. Um, and someone has to play third. So, you know, they've got bits and pieces they can move around from second to third, I think, in, you know, Wilmer Flores, Azdrubal Cabrera, and Jose TJ Reyes Rivera. and TJ Rivera. But they don't have a shortstop, I don't think. I think Azdrubal's days of being a starting shortstop are kind of behind him. I mean, I know that, you know, 
you can move a Johnny Peralta around and and find a way to get shortstop production out of a guy who looks like he should play third base. So they might still do that for another couple of years. But uh, he wouldn't be a starting shortstop on my team, especially if I had Ahmed Rosario. The only problem is <clears throat> Rosario is... 21. Yeah. And is there something else? He's no, uh, Devers is, uh, Devers is 20. Yeah, Devers so, is 20. So they're both babies. At least. 21 and 5 months for Rosario and Devers Rosario, is 26. At least yeah. Rosario's at AAA though. And I know yeah. that we can't just say because Devers is at AA. I, I've talked about this too. This is another yeah. change I've had to make over the last few years. Just because they're at AA doesn't mean they can't skip, but I, f- I feel like this is anecdotal. I feel like that's more of the 22 year olds at AA who will skip. Not necessarily the 20 year olds, but Devers is beasting too. 330, 398, 591. He's absolutely killing it. And like you said, they're getting nothing, nothing at third base right now, uh, out in Boston. And of course they fancy themselves a contender. Um, I know the Mets certainly, uh, came into the season as a contender, but they don't look like one now. How much will what they've dealt with in, in New York, impact the idea that uh, maybe maybe they don't call up Rosario and, and they kind of pack it in with what they've got and see and unless they make a run do you think that uh, that hurts the ability for Rosario to be called up whereas the contending capability of Boston opens the door for Devers how, how do you feel about the, the team contention making these decisions yeah it's interesting though because the Mets uh, playoff odds are still at 20 percent and I think that's because they have the, they're tied with the Braves who, uh, are projected standing so they have an expected win percentage of 298. Lots of wins in that division still between the Braves, yeah. Phillies, and Marlins. And then if they I think can so. steal it's some. a bit of a strength of schedule situation yes, there. If they can steal some from and, the Nats, all of a sudden you're back. And again, it, it only takes a run to really yeah, kind of neither get one of these, track. so that's another thing, point. Neither one of these is going to happen before June because that's the magic day. Yep. That's the sort of, uh, arbitration super two cutoff. That, that we don't know, by the way. The magic day that we actually so, don't know, but they have to kind of guess and it's not yeah. going to happen until after Memorial Day. Right. So, uh, if the Mets win a few games and get it closer to, to 500, let's say they, you know, they uh, win eight, five out of seven or, or something. Yeah. Uh, that sort of deal. Then, uh, they will be at 500. They'll be right in the mix with a lot of people. They, you know, they could be right there with the Cardinals, um, and the, Diamonds, I don't know, Rockies. Rockies, yeah. Yeah, the, the Rockies for, uh, for a second wild card. And, um, I think there's a, there's this, a little other wrinkle to, uh, sort of mm, contention and expect- expectations and when people get called up, which is that some point soon, the Sandy Alderson Terry Collins regime is going to get pressure. Oh, they have to, right? Right. And I and I feel like there's enough LOL Mets creeping back in right now that you know people are starting to be like, "No, nah, this is the same old team. You guys are the same old jabronis. Like you guys, look at look <laughs> at what you guys did. Everyone's hurt. That sounds familiar. You know, you didn't communicate well with with your players. You're throwing your players under the bus. This all sounds very familiar. This sounds like stuff that was even around before you idiots. So why do I believe in you idiots anymore? So, and, and, and half these guys, I know, you got a Mets fan going here, so, uh, uh, half of these, half of the guys that 
they're going to take credit for in terms of being drafted and stuff. You know, a lot of those guys weren't even drafted by this, by this regime. So, you know, I think that, uh, I've always disliked Terry Collins as a manager. And I think that he could be on the hot seat to go like today. And if that's the case, then he's probably lobbying his general manager for Ahmed Rosario. <laughs> Can we get him up? Save my job yeah, now. Exactly. Yeah. Let this guy come up and please put up his Vegas numbers and save my job. Dom Smith yeah. also on the team, of course, uh, 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 in the Mets organization, but first base a lot tougher avenue to crack right now because even when they've, you know, don't have due to healthy, which happens with relative frequency, unfortunately, um, they can slot Jay Bruce there, right? So is Dom Smith kind of cut off just because there's really no place to play him? And isn't he yeah, another left-handed you, bat? Yeah, then you also have um you also have uh uh Wilmer Flores whose natural position is probably DH. Um, oh, yeah, they don't have that. <laughs> Sorry, Wilmer, don't cry, dude. I'm just kidding about your defense. <laughs> is there really a player named Demonic? What? No. I can't get Dom Smith because I keep getting Dominic You're Brown. Spelling the Dom wrong. Just put Dom Smith in. No, it's not working either. B-Ref. What, are you in B-Ref or Fangraphs? Fangraphs. Dom Smith should work as well. What's this? How oh, do you actually spell that? It actually doesn't. It's D, it's, uh, oh, M-I-N-I-C, right? Or is it O? Yeah, it's N-I-D-O-M. Uh huh. I-N-I-C. This is fascinating radio. Spelling Dominic's. Because isn't Brown B-O-M-O? And I see. It's also like a 168 ISO with a, with that ground ball to fly ball mix is, doesn't mean, like this is, it's kind of Josh Bell with, you know, squared. In where Vegas too, unfortunately. Vegas, yeah. I don't, I don't know that, um, I'm all over Don okay, Smith suck, actually. Suck it, Don Smith. But I do want to talk about this Reese Haskins guy because, um, he started to pop up on the scene last year when he hit 50 billion bombs, uh, is actually 38 in double A. Now Redding, I'm, I'm being told, based on what I'm, I've heard of Reading, I could pop a 450 slug over there. Like it, it is a friendly environment. So I think this is where Darren Ruff hit that, hit that big homer season that he had. So it does take like a little bit of air out of it. He was 23 year old. Again, first base prospects aren't usually much of a thing if you're already a prospect. If you're already at first base, your prospect status is low, but He's following it up in AAA with 10 homers already and a 669. Really nice slugging out there for Reese Hoskins, uh, or Hoskins, excuse me. What do you think of Reese Hoskins and, and could Philly be inclined to call him up? Because I don't know that they have to like protect his time any, you know, for any real reason. Um, I don't know what the playing time looks like at first base right now, but, uh, is he somebody who could come up and make a power impact? I don't think that much of, of, um, Hoskins? Tommy Joseph. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But are they different? So, they're not, that's the problem, they're both right-handed. Yeah, and they're both kinda all or nothing power, like, isn't Hoskins gonna come up and kinda just be Tommy Joseph? And is, I mean. Yeah, and is Tommy Joseph being that bad of a Tommy Joseph? Exactly. Isn't he, isn't he Tommy Joseph in, uh, pretty well. Right now. <laughs> so, it's, uh, in terms of, uh, I mean, in terms of upside, I do think there is more upside with Hoskins because there's a chance that he's even more of an impact bat and that he has, like right now he's a 5.7% swing strike rate in the minor leagues. Yeah, and, and I was gonna say, and if they're scared 
early on, like if he brings up some reputation of 48 homers in his last 170 games, and this, I know that the major leaguers, they're going to challenge him or whatever, but that could work in his favor. He could get off to a hot start then. And so then yeah. he gets those five homers in the first, you know, uh, 18 games. And but that, that just isn't, they're just, there's no reason to bring him up. That's the thing. So, but it, I just wanted to bring his name on the radar because I know I wasn't super familiar with him. And if people don't follow prospects, they might not be super familiar with him because he's not a huge, he's not a top 100 guy. He's more of a, a team prospect sort of guy. So I just wanted his name on the radar because yeah. the second we say, there's nowhere, nothing can happen. Then freaking Tommy Joseph and Brock Stassi fall down a pair of stairs together. Like they're holding hands for some reason. They fall down stairs both out six to eight weeks. Cause that's the way the season's singing. going with injuries. Yeah, singing they're skipping tunes. and just singing the latest uh, Taylor Swift tune. They're just very happy about what's been going. We are the first base platoon. Ow, my wrist. Ow, my ankle. Yeah. So, and then Hoskins is up. So that, yeah, I know that he doesn't have a great path. Um, and, and the same kind of goes for this entire group right now. They don't have a super clear path, but th- this stuff happens overnight. And all of a sudden we're like, damn, he had nowhere to play. And then an injury hat. We have to talk, we, we kind of went in reverse order then. We've been talking R- Rosario, Hoskins, Smith. Let's finish, uh, with Yon Mankata. Of course, number one prospect out in Chicago. They're going to wait for super two. So again, just like the other ones, we're talking, it's really no way. I think even with injuries that would, it could strike, they're still going to hold that off until June because they're not going anywhere. Yeah, and I, that that's an argument I think to be made for, you know, not bringing him up at all. But at the same time, you know, they do have a chance to play to a non-embarrassing record. They do this year. They've got they've been they've been doing some things like they're they're not and great, but they're the, not horrific. And the way that you build. Um, attendance is not uh, is actually not like a pop up year where you're amazing, and it's not pulling up Mankata. Th- like, that's been shown. You can't just pull up Mankata and people start showing up just for him. Maybe like five prospect nerds, you know. But <laughs> you know, you don't you don't you don't get like fifteen thousand, twenty thousand, thirty thousand people to come to a game to see you on Juan Mankata. Eric so Long that's not why he goes out to up. Chicago to to watch him. It's like finally yes. <laughs> I will yes. take one ticket for eight dollars, please. And they're like, "Yeah, <laughs> revenue made." Yeah, right, exactly. So uh, that's not why they would call him up. However, uh, it sustained improvement is. Yeah. So you would call him up, even though this season seems like a lost season. You could say, "Well, just leave him down there all year." However, like you don't want to be seen as a team that doesn't give their guys chances. You know, because Build a little excitement too. Like, start. Let's yeah. start to see the Anderson Moncada combo exactly. here, and, and let let Frazier and Melky, you know, start to t- teach go them away. ropes a little bit. Well, yeah, go away, <laughs> but also like I was just referencing the the, the veterans there. Um, yeah, and, and and have him because he's obviously going to be a player that's going to have some command issues, com- uh, strikes on command in terms of contact. Like he's going to have some of that. So why not have him deal with that now so that when you are good, he's had that in his rear view and he's, and he's going. Or, you know, cynically, what do we have here? You know, like, let's, yeah, let's is he see. a building block let's or is see. he, you know, is he a second baseman? Is he a third baseman? You know, so I think, um, I think we, I think we will see him. I think we will see him. I'm not sure that he's gonna light the world on fire because again, I'm with uh, the strikeout rate's always been high. That's Mankata, by the way. We're talking about Yohan Mankata. Is killing it in the minors. 331, 401, 504, six homers, 10 stolen bases. But 27% strikeout rate. Is in, he's been striking out a lot. Strike rate. Yes. Only a 10% swing strike rate. It's not that bad. 
So he could be a guy that sort of holds steady when he gets to the big leagues and is just like sort of 25 to 27% strikeout rate. Maybe he becomes a little bit more aggressive and a little bit less patient than getting those two strike counts. So I think there is an opportunity there for him to hit, sort of hit his way through it. I think there's a little bit of sort of Miguel Sano with, um, with, in, with, uh, better Speaking defense. Second base. Ooh, that would be, that's, I mean, that's possibility. insane. That's insanely that's awesome. awesome. I think that's still on the table. It, it won't ever, I don't think it'll come with the sort of 331 batting average type stuff, but. No, I, I don't really see that either. I think he could have a spike year in the 290s, 300s. Um, uh, but he seems not like here. more of a 270, uh, but 3, 380 OBP because he, he will have, I think, plus Babbitt. you can see from his ground ball to fly ball mix in the minor leagues that he's a more even guy than he is uh, a crazy, uh, fly ball guy. Okay. Oh, crazy ground ball guy. So this is a guy. Who, um, will walk some, will strike out a lot, should hit for a lot of power. It's kind of the five tool guy. I think, and part of why the pitchers were over, uh, performing early this season was that Tim Anderson's a big upgrade at, at shortstop defensively. And that's why Tim Anderson's gonna be yeah. up all year. That's exactly, I've said yeah. that as, as a deep league thing. Tim Anderson, we said he was an acquirer in deep leagues because of that. He's gonna be there. So then you have Anderson, you have Moncada there. That could help their 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 pitchers a little bit, and I think that's a building block. You may even re-sign Abreu at a lower number than you expected because first basemen aren't getting money around the league. Nope. He's he probably on some level feels comfortable there. They were the ones who brought him in. Oh yeah, he's been there for a while now. So yeah, if he has enough comfort to where he says, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll keep dealing with these freezing cold Aprils, and uh, you kind of have a, you have your beginnings of uh, of an actual infield that. Might be exciting, you know. So you I got agree. Tim Anderson, Moncada. Maybe you re-sign Abreu. That's three out of four. You, yeah, Fraser probably leaves. Maybe you get something from him on the way out. Uh, maybe you fill in with Saladino and Sanchez, and you find your way through through there. Um, it's unclear if they have any um, uh, assets in the outfield, but you know, maybe but between Stilson and May and Garcia, one of the Garcias, you have a center fielder. Um, so then you're looking for corner outfielders and you've got, you know, right now they still have Quintana, uh, Rodon, and, uh, you hope one of Giolito and Lopez works out. So then you're looking for, you're looking for the most easily found things, which are corner outfielders, um, and, uh, and sort of three through five starting pitchers. So that's the stuff that, and and the strength of the system now is pitching. Uh, after yeah. Moncada, you've got Giolito, Kopech, Reynaldo Lopez, Carson Fulmer, Zach Birdie, uh, Dane Dunning, who was also part of that deal, Spencer Adams, who was one of their top three guys before all the trades. Guys. You're gonna have some pop-up guys in there. Yep. And then you, you, uh, in your, you know, sort of in, in 2019, maybe, that's the year where you sign, uh, you know, an outfielder and you start converting some of those, uh, pro- uh, starting pitching prospects that didn't make it into relievers. Uh, and all of a sudden your bullpen becomes a strength because you've got Carson Fulmer in the bullpen and, uh, you know, maybe Giolito. Giolito would be awesome in the pen. That's like, the I thing. think if he like, doesn't work out. If it out, doesn't work out, he'll be awesome in the pen. I, he'll be like 96, 97 with a hammer curve. I think he'd be really great in the pen. Hell, so. in 2019, by the way, they could still have, uh, this revelation that they've brought up this year, Anthony Swarzak. And not brought up, I mean, acquired and, and, they, could, they would still have Quintana. <laughs> they, they should still have Quintana and Nate Jones if they don't trade him. Yeah. So, like, they would, 
I agree. They're not like, so they're, far away. Well, they're it like, was an amazing winter for them. It was an amazing winter, okay. and the fact that they are playing a little well, uh, decently this year, seventeen and twenty-one, not bad. Uh, they got an even runs scored and allowed. They're they're, they're kind of they're a little froggy right now out there on the south side. Do what the Phillies are doing, where they they go and sign like a like. Saunders type, uh, or find an Aaron Althair, or. Um, you know, you know, get like a Helixon, yep. uh, you know, in a, in a little trade, um, and then decide that they're going to actually keep him for a little bit. You know, the, the, I think they're going to act a lot like the Phillies have been acting. And the only difference between them is that the Phillies have more money, but you know, the, the White Sox have spent some money in the past. They're well, not, yeah, and it's uh, still Chicago, right? I mean, I know yeah. they're not the richest Chicago team, but they're not, they're not a poor team. And their system is probably better than Phillies right now with what they've done. And they've got, you know, if Nate Jones comes back and shows that he's healthy, they don't have to keep him. They could trade two major bullpen assets. And if the market is the way it is last the way it was last year then look out because they're gonna they're gonna reel in some stuff by the way robertson pitching extremely well right now uh looking a lot like peak david robertson and nate jones doing his thing both of them i think would would draw a lot of attention then they can put tommy canely who is apparently a dickhead but uh is pitching very well did you hear that story by the way about tommy canely with uh, latroy hawkins yeah why are they mad completely unprovoked uh Latroy Hawkins dishes that that Tommy Canley is an awful teammate and 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 sucks. Um, the sideline re- reporter was saying stuff about because the Rockies are there, right? And that's Hawkins played a lot of his time with the Rockies. She said, you know, I was in the I was in the clubhouse trying to get some dirt. I didn't really get anything. Everyone said they love Hawk because you know he was he was the dad or whatever. You know, like positive, positive, positive. And she's like, yeah, I was just trying to get some of the dirt. And so they throw it back up to the booth and. Uh, you know, they're talking a little bit more. He's like, yeah, you know, I, I got one. Uh, Tommy Canely, worst, worst. I, oh, he goes, I'm surprised they didn't tell you about the fight I had with Tommy Canely. Uh, and Dick Bremer, I think that's their play-by-play guy, was trying to, like, make it chill. He's like, oh, so, like, like a friendly thing. And Hawk, like, straight, straight face, like, no. Worst teammate I've ever played with. Like, wasn't, <laughs> wasn't trying to cool it at all. Like, wanted it to be known that Tommy Canely sucks. And listen, I'm sure there's something in my brain that's making me look at things differently given that knowledge from Latroy Hawkins. But you do a Google image, image search on Tommy Canely <laughs> and dickhead is like the number one thing. That <laughs> I had no trouble getting there thinking, oh, yeah, there, I'm not surprised. Like, he's got a very punchable face. Uh, you know, he looks like he would talk a lot of mess. Well, and look, now some Latroy Hawkins are popping up as in the image results. Yes. For Tommy. <laughs> that, like, he has been the, – the, the crazy thing is Tommy Canely out here having an amazing season. I think Jeff Sullivan wrote him up a couple of weeks ago. He's been out of his mind. He's found some new command with his fastball. He's having a brilliant season, and the only thing you can get run for right now is uh, having a fight with Latroy Hawkins, which, by the way <laughs> – they had like a legit fist fight and we never heard word one about it. It's just like all the stuff that happens in clubhouses that we never hear about, I bet is just endlessly fascinating to I mean, baseball nerds like us. They're, they're like, uh, babies. They're just children. You're just saying they're, they're just like mostly mentally children. Like they, for the most part, they've struggled within their job, but you know, and yes, you know, pay in the minor leagues is really terrible. Mm-hmm. But we're talking generally this, speaking with these pro athletes. It's a very insular thing yes. where, you know, 
a lot of them too have been just super, um, you know, successful all the way through. And, uh, you know, just don't deal with things in the same way that we do. And then are surrounded by like people, uh, for the most part, mm-hmm. uh, you know, all day. And, uh, I don't know. I have stories. I'm not sure I want to burn a lot of players, but I mean, this one, this one story I have, I won't tell the name on it, but this one player was in his first, uh, in his first, uh, road trip as a, as a pro. And he, uh, he went out and this other player, uh, took a dump on a piece of paper, uh, and stuck it in the heater in the hotel, uh, while the guy was gone and then turned up the heater and closed all the windows. Um, like what is your, like what? So, so the person telling me this is laughing, right? And he's like, that's the craziest stunt that anyone ever pulled on me. When we came back, it was like a turd sauna and I was like, I mean, I, I might have laughed a little bit because it was probably nasty. Yeah. But my parents, I lived in hotels. My parents were hotel people. So the second thought that I had was, oh, God, who cleaned that up? Right? Oh, Well, and God. I'm not a garbage human, so my first thought is, why would anybody do that to anybody? Like, oh, that's my God, yeah. Just, not yeah, not only the, the, the visceral reaction of, of having someone basically, you know, put a turd in your face. But, you know, you know, the, who cleans it up? And that was never, that never even, like, the, the, we're all laughing. There's not even one person who was like, you know, God, I feel bad for the person who cleaned it up. You yeah. Know, you could even make it a joke and it would be better than not even acknowledging nope. that somebody had to clean it up. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. So <laughs> yeah, I, again, just wasn't too surprised to hear that, uh, Canely for his part just said, yeah, it was kind of weird. I got, he, he wasn't really going to further it, which is probably the smart thing. Uh, yep. you know, he acknowledged that, that some stuff happened in the past and he's like, everyone, I think he said something about everyone's entitled to their own opinion and, and going to move on from there. And that's, that's the right thing. I, like he, he doesn't get anything from picking that fight and, and continuing to go, uh, and saying, well, well Hawk did this and, and he sucks. So mm-hmm. it was just kind of funny though, because it was, <laughs> I loved when Dick Bremer was like, Oh, it was all fun and games. Right. And Hawk was like, nah. No. Hated that guy. <laughs> Worst teammate I ever had. So funny. Uh, anyway, yeah, just, just Google Latroy Hawkins at this point. If you want to see the clip, it's, it, it, it will definitely be the first like 50 results. But you know, we got to go. I got to finish posting my updated starting pitcher rankings. A lot of charts, a right. lot of, a uh, lot of HTMLing that I had to do. So I got to get that done and posted. People will murder me if not. Uh, we have talked about that you're not going to do your own separate update in terms of an article, but that we are going to talk about it. So I feel Once like you do yours, I was going to say next yeah. week we will talk about my rankings and your adjustments and it will be all pitchers. So next Thursday, starting pitcher deep dive, we'll be talking top to bottom. It'll probably be a long one. So saddle in folks, but uh, we got to get going. Um, I will have those rankings up episode with Jason and um, nothing else that I definitely have planned that I want to preview. Just the pitcher rankings coming up and then Jason uh, podcast on Saturday. So, you know, have a good one. I'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening. <laughs>